This series of the For All Mankind podcast is brought to you by the Gardner Family Apothecary. Caring for your sensitive skin with their Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel Silcox Base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of their news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro. Hello and welcome to From Unkind, the podcast. Today's guest is a dermatology nurse specialist and she's a mum to Grace and Sean. It's Celine Daly. Welcome, Celine. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. So Celine, your career as a dermatology nurse specialist, um, it's not a title that many of us would be overly familiar with. What does that consist of? Well, I suppose, basically, I'm a qualified general nurse. Um, so I trained at Saigo University Hospital way back in 1997 now, which I find really hard to believe. I'm an ancient relic. <laughs> and uh, I was generally a trained nurse. So I always had an interest in medical nursing, um, but I always was into skin. Um, I was into tissue viability. I was into dressings and wounds. And I was into my own skincare as well. So the opportunity came up in 2004 um, for me to apply to be a dermatology nurse in a new unit, which has been set up inside University Hospital that year. So I applied for the job and thankfully got it. And I completed a dermatology diploma in Wales in 2005. Um, I did nurse prescribing then in 2010. I finished my degree in in, in nursing. And I finished a master's then in um, dermatology, a medical master's in dermatology in London. Um, I finished that about three years ago. And basically what dermatology is, it's a study of skin and skin diseases. So we know there are over 2,000 skin diseases. um, But most of them fall into the categories of acne, eczema, psoriasis, skin cancer, and then different rashes, sometimes of unknown cause. So that's the basic package that we deal with. Many years ago, um, there was um, dermatology hospitals, but there was one in um, uh, in Ireland, in Dublin, called Hume Street, which listeners may be familiar with. It's just that kind of an abandoned building there, um, one street over from um, the Shelburne um, Hotel. Um, and that was the big skin hospital in Ireland. And if you had a skin condition years ago, you were sent down there to stay there for five or six weeks, and they did treatments on you. Thankfully, um, dermatology hospitals kind of no longer exist. Um, what's it? We don't have beds in hospital, basically. Most of our treatments for medical dermatology conditions are can be given in tablet treatments or injectable treatments now, which are kind of a new way of treating, particularly psoriasis, for example. So the majority of our treatments are an outpatient based, which is brilliant because we don't want to take people into hospital. That's not the way to treat conditions that are chronic, meaning conditions we don't have a cure for, but that we have treatments for. So what we do every day is we do outpatients um, clinics every day, and that's everyone from brand new born babies with maybe birthmarks or hemangiomas, um, children and babies with eczema, teenagers and everybody else with acne, um, uh, people with occupational eczema, so allergic or irritant contact dermatitis. We treat patients with psoriasis, and we treat a lot of skin cancers as well. So we have a day unit 
in dermatology that most hospitals would have a day unit for dermatology and we do something called for therapy for psoriasis which is a light treatment specifically to get rid of psoriasis it's three times a week for six to eight weeks and um, we do practical education eczema we do an awful lot of skin surgery so we have a huge problem with skin cancer in ireland mm-hmm. we know there's over eleven thousand cases of skin cancer diagnosed every single year in ireland with over a thousand cases of melanoma so um we do a lot of skin surgery for that and um, that's what we do in dermatology basically. And so that's your professional side of things. And then in your own home house, you're obviously a mum of two. Yes. Um, and so all of that training and experience you have, you obviously, you know, bring that with you into the home. Um, during your own pregnancies, did you find a change? Obviously, your body goes through massive changes in general and physical, but the actual skin, like I found my skin totally changed during both pregnancies. How did you find it? I was the same. And you know what the problem is? There's a saying, the tailor's children have the worst clothes. So definitely in my case, that is true. And I have two teenagers now and I just, nothing can prepare you for any of this. I have to say from the start to the finish, um, I always went in headlong, completely feeling unprepared. And uh, my skin, I couldn't, with the, when I got pregnant with Grace, the changes to me were profound. Um, everything changed. Like I, I was very, I, I was carrying a lot of extra, extra weight in my first pregnancy, which I found difficult. I think the antenatal care now is better than it was 15 years ago. I think it's improved so much in the way of healthy eating and exercise during pregnancy that wasn't really a talking point 15 years ago. Or if it was, I was certainly ignoring it. Um, so uh, I found I put on a lot of weight very fast. Um, it was before um, a glucose tolerance testing came in for pregnancy as a kind of a standard. So I didn't have a GGT with Grace. And when Grace was born, she was 11 pounds. And a natural delivery, which is so embarrassing. I actually, I told people she was a cesarean natural because I was so mortified <laughs> that it was no problem to spit out 11 pounds. Um, but I think it was my diet and my lifestyle during my pregnancy. And because I had a bit of extra weight on as well, I found that my skin changed. I, I think the I, I think everyone gets stretch marks. I think some people don't get too many stretch marks, but I particularly got a lot of stretch marks. But I come from a stretch mark family. So I often say this, you think sometimes you can prevent getting stretch marks, but if your skin is going to stretch and it's going to leave a mark behind it, there's not much you can do. There's not really a cream on the market that exists that can completely prevent stretch marks. So don't feel bad about stretch marks. They will fade. As sure as I'm speaking to you right now, they will fade. They go to a silvery scaly color and they just go away. And it's just part of a pregnancy. It's part of weight gain sometimes. So I got stretch marks under my arms. I got stretch marks all over my tummy. I got stretch marks on my thighs. And today you can't see them. They're, they're practically gone. So, you know, they do look red and they do look prominent. But if you moisturize your skin as well as you can, there's sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. So don't feel bad if you got stretch marks. I had a very good friend you couldn't literally see one stretch mark on her body but this friend also if she ever had surgery you could never see a scar she didn't have any chicken pox scars i have chicken pox scars i have scars from previous surgeries i have stretch marks so i have the kind of skin that scars and there is a kind of a skin that scars 
So some of us will always carry our marks and some of us don't. And it's just genetic and there's nothing we can do about it except moisturize and accept it. But I also found the skin on my legs changed. And again, it was, I got varix veins, I got some veiny marks and I got very tired legs as well. And um, so I found the change of pregnancy really tough. I have to say I had sciatica, I had the, the stretch marks, I got acne, horrendous acne once I delivered as well. So I had all those beautiful things. And again, I think we always compare ourselves to friends who seem to sail through things. So again, this friend of mine that didn't have stretch marks, she looked, she, looked, she was blooming all the time. She looked so beautiful and she looked so fabulous. And I looked like somebody was dragged through a bush sideways because I didn't sleep very well because I cramped my legs. And um, But, you know, that's just part of who we are. Um, and I think if I'm reflecting back on my pregnancies, I didn't enjoy them. Um, as much as I should have because I think I was over analytical and I think I was very nervous and a lot of anxiety when I was pregnant because I lost my first pregnancy and I got pregnant with Grace pretty quickly after and I think I carried anxiety for the first three months and that's one third of your pregnancy and so that that kind of tainted that for me and I'm so sorry that I didn't just relax into a bit more than I did. Um, so yeah, that 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 was a difference. Now with Sean, and Sean was born 18 months after Grace um, was born. So they were kind of like Irish twins. But <laughs> with Sean, I, I developed gallstones. So a common thing that can happen in pregnancy as well. Um, it's people who are fertile and you know ovulating. And then if you get pregnant with the hormones, you can trip up into gallstones as well. And again, um, I was the kind of person who goes on a diet, I, comes out, I come off a diet, I go on a diet again. It, it led to me developing gallstones during pregnancy. So I was so sick. Um, it hit at 12 weeks. Um, I developed jaundice. I was in the hospital. I was in horrendous pain. The pain was just horrendous. Couldn't identify the pain because I was pregnant. Couldn't have any surgery because I was pregnant. And um, had to kind of stagger on for the nine months. But it was just terrifying as well because um the, when you have gallstones the pain was so bad that um my my consultant advised me that you know there was a potential of early delivery because of the you know the pain triggering mm-hmm. off um early labor basically so again i spent this time in, in anxiety mode really completely anxious losing weight i couldn't eat anything with fat in it i, I remember sitting at christmas dinner not being able to eat any of the dinner along with everybody else and it was kind of, it was very tough. Now, with the jaundice, the, the itch on the skin was horrendous. And I will never forget it. And any patient I have who comes into me with itchy skin, I feel so sorry for them because it's an awful sensation. It's worse than pain. It's, you know, constant, it's hot, it's scratching, it's irritation. And with your psyche, with your mental health, it can even affect your mental health because you're constantly scratching, scratching and tearing at the skin. And it's just an awful condition. Now, I, at the end, I, I think I had something called PUP, um, which again, listeners might be familiar with. It's just an itchy condition in pregnancy where you get urticaria and you get kind of papules in there and you're just scratching and itching and it's horrible and if you do get itching in pregnancy it's very important to go to your GP and be checked out just in case and you know your blood pressure is raised as well if there's any issues and but again often in pregnancy there's nothing we can give mums and for that so it's just putting on moisturizer menthol in aqueous cream is brilliant for that from the fridge to cool and soothe down the skin and but that that was to my two pregnancies and and you know I I while they were um you know looking back I just wish I relaxed a bit more into it instead of, 
you know, feeling so anxious the whole time, which I did. Um, but do you know something? They're two great kids. I have to say, and I know it's easy for me to say that, um, but they're two fantastic children and they brought so much joy to my life um, that all the stretch marks were worth it. I have to say, <laughs> the itching and all the gallstones, all that that went with it um, are totally worth it. And I think some mums t- seem to get a hard, raw deal with the pregnancies. Yeah. I think some people, they just, you know they just sail through it and other people just don't and I for, for something that my mother said to me like my mother couldn't believe that she could buy pregnancy tests or that she did them or that she'd waste you'd waste 10 euros on a pregnancy test mother god like why would you do that she couldn't believe I bought six bottles she thought like you know you buy one bottle and you wash it you could buy six bottles way too much way OTT and um, and you know she said Celine we didn't know we were pregnant until we were three months gestation so at that stage you were over that hump Yes. But now that we know at three weeks or two weeks gestation, yeah. practically, that you're pregnant, you have that that really worry time for a long mm-hmm. time. And, you know, I, I, like as bad as it was 15 years ago, I think now it's even more, the detail is even more, um, I suppose, obvious or apparent and, you know, early scans and all that. And that's very tough, very, very tough on women. And women didn't have that pressure years ago because they actually didn't know they were pregnant a lot of the time until they were post the three month wait. And then, you know, that, that risky time was over for them. And that's what my own mother said to me. She said, you know, really, it's tough on you because we didn't know we were pregnant or, you know, if you had a very early miscarriage, you didn't, you just thought it was something that was late. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't yes. that pressure. Um, one thing that I noticed during my pregnancy, so like my skin, like my the skin of my face totally changed. I would always have naturally very oily skin mm-hmm. and that totally changed. It kind of dried up and any kind of, you know, small bit of acne or anything I got that all cleared up during my pregnancy so it was lovely but mm-hmm. I got really bad pigmentation um yes. which is not you know like you know we're talking about there the information which is not something I you know knew about that you this mm-hmm. was going to happen or I didn't even realize how to prevent it until it was mm-hmm. too late and even yes. then you know there are there even during your pregnancy there are things you can do to manage it and, and help it and prevent mm-hmm. it and as much as you can um what advice did you have for for pigmentation? Well, definitely, if whether pregnant or not, what everyone should wear a factor fifty on their face between the first of March to the end of September every single year in Ireland or abroad. So that's the the broad piece of advice. Everybody. Man, every man, woman, and child should have a factor of fifty on their face every day between the first of March and the end of September to prevent skin cancer and to prevent aging. Um, number one, skin cancer number one, I should say. But when you're pregnant and the hormonal shift happens, you can develop something called melasma. So, um, something is called like a pregnancy pregnancy mask, yeah. where the pigment. Um, um, you, basically when you ex- expose your skin to UV rays with the pregnancy hormones you get a huge amount of pigment and it can be a small amount or it can be a quite a large amount so it is so important and so vital to wear a factor 50 on your face every single day of your pregnancy now we do have an issue of vitamin D in Ireland in the northern hemisphere so you know adv- take advice from your GP or your midwife about your vitamin D levels and taking a vitamin D supplement. But certainly that pigment will fade over time. But prevention is better than cure and actually preventing it by using a factor 50 is really important. Now it's important to say that sunscreen is really important, but also it's only one part of the SunSmart program. So that means wearing a white rim hat, sunglasses and stay in the shade. So it's very important to have all those elements going on and not just to rely on your sunscreen alone. So if you're out on a day like today yesterday in Ireland and out of midday 
say meeting some friends outside for a picnic or lunch or whatever it might be, making sure that you have a hat on with a wide brim and your sunglasses and your sunscreen, that you've got your triple kind of protection on your face because UV rays will penetrate somewhat the sunscreen because it's only a screen and can cause that kind of pigment. It's interesting with the acne because for some people the acne gets worse. A lot of people, the acne gets better as well though. And that's because acne is caused by hormones and hormone levels which influence the production of sebum. And sebum sits in your pores. And if you have, say, one particular hormone floating around, you can actually produce too much sebum or too much grease. And that blocks the pores and causes the acne. But in pregnancy, that can actually correct that because the hormones are completely skewed the other way and your skin can kind of clear up. And that's why people say, oh, you've lovely pregnancy glow, because again, the acne can clear up. Another interesting one is um, patients who are pregnant and who have psoriasis. The psoriasis tends to disappear during pregnancy because when we're pregnant, our body's immune system is suppressed um, to help preserve the fetus, which sounds so clinical and technical. Sorry, it sounds like a horrible statement, but that's what happens in our bodies. Our bodies, are, our immune system is just slightly suppressed in pregnancy. That's why sometimes you might pick up colds and coughs a little bit easier in pregnancy as well. It's a slight suppression of the immune system. And when that happens, psoriasis tends to disappear. The, the awful thing is, often you'll find two days after delivery, the psoriasis comes roaring back. So again, that, that um, immune system suppression is eliminated after delivery almost immediately, and then psoriasis comes back. And that can be so disappointing for patients who have had that break of psoriasis and all of a sudden they have a brand new baby and the psoriasis flares right back up again. So pregnancy has a significant effect on your skin. Some ways in good, but some ways in bad as well. And psoriasis, I didn't realise, is a genetic condition as well as um, a condition like eczema. Yes. And eczema is obviously close to your heart because you're daughter has eczema yes grace has eczema and she's um she is now 15 so she's kind of what we call grown out of it now it's not the best phrase to use for eczema and um, but eczema is eczema or eczema or dermatitis they all mean the same thing and um, but eczema is a genetic inherited condition it normally flares around technically six months of age but it's usually when the baby turns on their own immune system so babies when they're born are born with their mother's mature immune system and then eventually switch their own one on but it's obviously immature and that's like small babies don't get sick so very small babies tend not to get sick and then once they switch their own immune system on they have the runny noses and the coughs and the sneezes and then babies that go to crash for example they're building up their own immune system all the time so babies tend to have runny noses and fevers and they're just building up that mature immune system and so when they switch their own immune system on um, and they have a background genetic history of eczema, they may develop eczema. So um, when I had Grace, I had my diploma in dermatology and I was teaching mums and dads how to mind babies with eczema. And then I remember I went to maternity leave and I had Grace and I took Grace out of the bath at six weeks old and her skin was red and dry and itchy all over. And I thought, oh my God, I don't believe it. She has eczema. And actually trying to control the condition made me realize how difficult this condition is. This, you know, I used to, to say, give a prescription to the parents and that's what you do and do this and do this and do this and you'll be fine. It's not that easy. It's quite difficult. Number one, it's quite expensive. So in Ireland, we have to buy our own moisturizers. They're not covered under the medical card scheme um, or GMS scheme. Um, also, you have to cover GP's visits, um, days off school, days off work, appointments if you're going to see a consultant dermatologist. So it's a very expensive thing to have. The second thing is it's messy. We treat eczema by treating it topically. 
So we have to use what we call total emollient therapy, which is a soap-free wash and a moisturizer and combination of the two. And we also have to use topical steroids to control it when it's moderate severe. There's no way around it. It's the only way of treating eczema safely at the moment. And then um, we often advise uh, parents to use, like, say, Clinifest suits or medical suits to pop over the, the, the steroid and the moisturizer treatment. Again, they can be pricey as well. Um, but really, it's about what I do is talk to the mums and dads about their lifestyle, you know, and how much they have to spend on moisturizers. And who's at home? Are there other siblings at home with eczema? Are there other siblings at home maybe with behavioral issues? And how is, it, is this baby or child sleeping at nighttime? Are they enough sleep are they stressed and um, you know are, are they so stressed that they have mental health issues for example with the eczema and um, and sometimes just talking about it can be really good for the parents but being a parent myself i think has made me realize the practicalities of life and that things aren't that easy um and that you know everyone can come from different backgrounds and um, when pa patients come into my clinic and um, often you know uh, you can have what we call the working poor so you can have people that are in full-time employment but they might not have a medical card and if they have a couple of kids and uh, they're going to find it very difficult to actually afford to buy and um, their their moisturizers and their cleansers or their gp pay for their gp visits or maybe pay for petrol to even get as far as a hospital for example for consultation so certainly there's there's a whole issue around costings with some families as well and sometimes there can be um, uh, again that that kind of pregnancy anxiety can spill over into newborn babies and when you see your newborn baby your beautiful baby who you've been home from hospital covered in a rash all over mm -hmm. that can have a profound effect on the parent, a profound effect. And there can even be bonding issues. And again, this past remarkable, I think, and I'm in the West of Ireland and there's nothing like cures in the West of Ireland. We're crazy for cures. And you know, you have well-meaning relatives rubbing on butter or maybe give, sending medals and, and you know, um, they have a cure for this or somebody has the seventh son of seventh son or, you know, and those things really aren't that helpful because, you know, you, you bring up your hopes that you're going to get a cure for eczema. It's going to be cured and that's going to be fine, but there's no cure for eczema. If there's a cure for eczema, we would know about it and we're advising parents to do it. But currently there's not. There's just a topical treatment regime that we recommend for babies with eczema. And that's the best way and the safest way to treat eczema. Um, but again, you know, parents are under so much pressure from relatives sometimes or well-meaning neighbours or friends who advise them when the advice isn't one safe or too effective. And that can be very, very difficult. So a lot of time when my parents come into me with eczema, I'm spending about 20 minutes just unpicking the kind of, you know, myths and, you know, the, the, the falsehoods about eczema or about skin and what's actually happening, you know. A lot of parents as well will try excluding diet, things in the diet on small babies. So they'll, they'll buy milk from the internet or they'll cut out milk, cut out dairy, cut out wheat, cut out gluten. And that's not proven to work for eczema either. And in fact, can be quite dangerous. So, um, you know, God love parents. You know, they're really grasping the straws to try and try to find anything to treat the eczema. And by the time they get into me, they're really stressed and worried. And they've spent a lot of money already on, you know, uh, maybe sometimes alternative stuff that doesn't really work that well. Um, and again, you know, it's all about the say, psychological care with skin as well. Because again, skin can have a profound effect on families. If a baby is crying every single night with eczema scratching you know and nobody's sleeping that can really have a desperate effect on families too so again it's all about you know um compassionate care from nursing 
taking the people in as they are and treating them um, as you would like to be treated yourself. And I'm hoping that's something that's coming out in nursing and certainly it's something in, among my colleagues that we're really trying to promote at the moment. It's the it's the compassionate care of people and non-judgmental care as well and see people as they are and bringing them in and treating them as we see them. And a thing that you'd often hear at, at the six month mark if you're when you're starting to wean is that if you have eczema, it's to be a kind of it's the beware then of certain foods of when you're weaning because they're likely to have um, an allergy towards them. So like you yourself have food allergy or you yeah, you have food allergies. Yes. I have food, I have food and I have an anaphylaxis actually. So I suppose the definitions of the terms anaphylaxis is where you get swelling and you get difficulty breathing and you get urticaria or you know, hives all over your skin as a response to ingestion of a certain food that you've been identified that you're allergic to. And the, the particular allergy I have at the particular anaphylaxis is called lipid transfer protein syndrome. And it's a kind of a rare, of course I'd have to have it, a rare form of anaphylaxis. And it typically occurs in people who are Mediterranean, but it's an allergy to plants or to soft fruit. So I'm allergic to strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, and blackberries. And it's, it happens when my heart rate is accelerated as well. So uh, the first time it happened to me, I was on a treadmill, I'd eaten a strawberry yogurt and uh, I went for a run and I just, my lips swelled, my throat, my, my skin reacted and I had to have adrenaline. And it happened to me maybe six or seven times before I went to see, this is the nurses are the worst people for going to medical professions. It happened six or seven times where I had to present to now doc before I actually went to um uh, to see my GP about it. So she prescribed me a Jext pen, which are very expensive to buy again, and they go out of date very fast. So any parents listening who have anaphylaxis in their household will know what I'm talking about. They go out of date, but in a few months, they cost like 50 or 60 euro, and you have to have a couple of them because it has to be one in your purse, one in your house, one in your car, that you have one wherever you go. Um, I've been caught out a couple of times where I've forgotten my pen, and they were hard lessons, so I certainly always have it in the car. Or I have one everywhere. There's one everywhere in my house. There's one in my bedroom. There's one in my downstairs kitchen. There's one in my car. I, I went to the gym once. I, I put the kids in the swimming pool and had inadvertently um, must have eaten some jam. I made a Victoria sponge for the kids and uh, went to the treadmill, felt the lips going straight out, had to pluck the kids out of the pool, throw them into the car in their swimsuits and drive like a lunatic down to my house to get my pen. Because I'd forgotten the pen. Um, so anaphylaxis is not an easy thing to have and it's a pain, I have to say, and it's frightening as well. Um, so it's that real reactive, very drastic reaction um, and again, it's a kind of a rare form of anaphylaxis. Um, but with food and eczema, the debate is really out. Dermatologists would err more inside that it's not to do with the food per se. The reason why kids get um, eczema at six months is because they've turned on their own immune system, which is immature, and they're going to tip into eczema. So you could have an exclusively breastfed baby who at six months tips into eczema where they haven't actually eaten any food. Mm -hmm. And the problem when I was pregnant with Grace and Sean was, you know, you do not feed your baby at six months old. Now the advice has come back to actually exploring foods with them because if they are eating uh, very limited diets and they're not exposed to the food, then they're more likely to actually have sensitivities towards that food. Very interesting study that's gone on in Israel among um, peanut nut allergy people and um, um, has been looking at nut allergies and there is um, actually a clinic in London at the moment I think they do the same thing now in Galway in Dublin they're actually desensitizing patients to peanut so this is certainly not something you should do at home by yourself absolutely not it's only under the guidance of healthcare professionals 
but basically because in Israel there's such a consumption of nuts in pregnancy, in early ages, so they're eating all kinds of nuts, blended nuts, they're eating peanuts, everything. There's a very low instance of peanut allergy, where it's been increasing in other countries where there's not such a high consumption of nuts. And uh, what they're thinking is that is there a link between taking away foods or excluding foods and actually developing sensitivity. So the thinking is that, you know, the food shouldn't be denied either. And because then that can give a problem with with actually developing sensitivities to foods. It's very important if you feel like you've got a sensitivity to food as with a child, that you consult with um, a dietitian, a pediatric dietitian, who can guide you through that. It's really, really important because the other thing that can happen with children is if you don't give them certain foods, they get really fussy and the next thing you have a fussy eater for life and there's nothing worse than that. So if kids aren't exposed to say things like not just the sweet foods, like this, like maybe a bit of avocado um, or a bit of toast or whatever, um, that they just go for the kind of sweet, easy stuff and then you have a problem with kids that would be fussy eaters. So certainly it's important if you have queries or questions to talk to your midwife who have the up-to-date information on weaning babies. But it tends to be that the baby switches their own immune system on six months and that causes the eczema, not the food. So it tends to be that the eczema is the first atopic disease to develop in children and then the others follow. So babies don't get hay fever. So you only develop hay fever around two years of age and then the asthma so the asthma comes first and then maybe the hay fever. So it tends to be eczema first, asthma, hay fever. Okay. And that's the way it goes. And um, so the problem is when the focus goes on the food, the focus goes off the moisturizer. Yeah. What we need to do is to focus on the moisturization and what we're using to wash our babies with. I have very sensitive skin, so I'm quite conscious of what I put on Alice and Peter, that it's kind of, it's non-smelling, that it's, you know, it's very basic ingredients. And we can get caught up in the marketing of products, you know, and what they do. But for mm. our babies, and in particularly this summer, which is an outdoor summer, and we obviously have to be very careful of the sun. What, if, mm-hmm. you know, from a dermatology point of view, what should we be using on baby skins? And any advice on minding their skin in a, in a, during the summer? Mm-hmm. Definitely low fragrance, no fragrance, so it shouldn't smell like anything. Low preservatives. And um, I think again, and um, this is from the kind of dermatology nurse and things, making things easy and keeping it as simple as possible. So what I do here is we use Elav for, for everything really. We use Elav shampoo, we use Elav conditioner, we use Elav shower gel, we use Elav sunscreen, and we use Elav hand soap because um because I'm a nurse and working outdoors because we have eggs in this household. We use everything that's suitable for eczema on everybody. That means that somebody doesn't feel left out. So often children with eczema or skin disease might feel the different to other people. And we don't want them to feel like that. The easy thing to do for us here is just to use, say, ELAV for everything. So we have ELAV hand soap in the kitchen and the downstairs bathroom and my bathroom and the kids' bathroom. And we use ELAV shampoo and conditioner. And so if it's in the stall, in the shower stall, the kids will use it. If it's not there, or there's other products there, like a million products in there, kids will tend to go for the bubbly, scenty stuff. But if it's not there, they can't use it. So that's why I just keep the unscented, no fragrance, low preservative products like that. The other thing as well, we do the same for our sunscreen. We use a pediatric sunscreen because the pediatric one in the ELAV range doesn't have any parabens or preservative or fragrance. So it's not going to irritate the skin. You can use it from birth. It's so gentle. It's a completely pediatric formulation. And if we all use it, we're all sunprotected. And it doesn't mean that we're using something different or mixing and matching, which can cause confusion and problems as well. 
So I just find the easiest thing to do is to use, everyone use the same product. And with sunscreen, I have one in the car, I have one in the kitchen, I have one in the boot room out here at the back. So there's no excuse either. What I say is you have to put your sunscreen on in the morning during the, from, from the 1st of March, the end of September, as you put your coat on from September right up through to March. So when you brush your teeth in the morning, you have to put your sunscreen on and that's the rule in this house. And that's it. No matter what the day is like, if it's cloudy, still put your sunscreen on. Baby shouldn't be exposed to direct sunlight. They should have like a screen over and a hat on if they can and stay in the shade between 11 and 2 absolutely because they can overheat very fast, very fast. What you still see people doing is putting blankets over, mm-hmm. say, we used to call them rocket tots, but yeah. whatever that thing is that fits it into the, the push chair, that's a really dangerous thing to do because babies can actually get dehydrated extremely, extremely fast. Their little bodies can't control their body temperature. So plenty of fluids, plenty of cool boiled water, sunscreen, shade between 11 and 2 and a little hat. And that should be them sorted out. But we're not very good in Ireland at dealing with um, climates, whether it's winter or summer. You know, we either have too much clothes on, not enough clothes on. But certainly during summer, we can be a little bit foolish. And I think we're going to have an outdoor summer, which is great. But we have to be mindful of the fact that we can't be outside all day long with children. They will overheat. They will dehydrate very fast. So break it up in the middle of the day. Bring them in you know stick on um whatever they like on tv feed them their lunch make sure that they're eating and they're drinking and just give them that break in the middle of the day as well and remember if you're outdoors and you have a little paddling pool or whatever it is if they're in and out of the paddling pool the sunscreen will you know it will come off their skin with toweling or with you know messing around it will so reapply your sunscreen every two hours regardless of what it says in the packet reapply your sunscreen every single two hours and Celine, you you have your teens in the house, so I've I've babies and you've teens. Um, mm. And at that age now, where hormones are starting to kind of begin and skin outbreaks and stuff, what advice is there, or would you give for parents with kind of you know preteen or teen kids to get them into a good skincare routine? This can differ and be very difficult. There are certain teenagers who wash overwash so they're, they're actually yeah. causing rashes and dermatitis from overwashing and again using all their own products they want to use products that they see on advertisements that are highly perfumed and full of parabens and, and then you have teenagers who don't want to wash that they won't wash and again if they're out playing sports or they're you know they're, they're wearing the same clothes two or three days in a row and you know that's not a good thing either so trying to find a happy balance if teenagers are beginning to develop acne and if that acne is you know significant it's bothering them please bring them to gp for some treatment for their acne that's medical it's the best treatment for acne so if a teenager is developing and, and remember that you know particularly girls seem to be developing at a far younger age than they used to mm-hmm. so you'll see you know girls at eight or nine get their period for example and um, you know that's very young but again they're getting the acne along with it too so it's important that if they have a um, moderate acne, that it's it, you go to your GP, you're seen, and you get your prescription for your acne treatment that would work. If that doesn't work, then you can be referred subsequently to go and see a hospital-based consultant dermatologist. And that's really important because acne, this moderate severe, is best treated medically by a doctor in primary care or by a consultant dermatologist. What they can do then is to use or get in the habit of using, again, a gentle wash with the for their acne and a moisturiser along with it. And again, ELAF have that skin balancing one that's brilliant. So it doesn't contain any nasty preservatives. It's going to irritate their skin, but it's just going to balance out their, their skin and, you know, um, hydrate the skin with the moisturiser as well. 
The most important thing, if you did nothing though, is to get kids into using SPF 50 and to get it into their heads that they use it every single day between March and September. That's really, really important. And again, what you can do is um, to promote the vitamin D level. Something that I do in this house is I have fortified milk for the kids for their breakfast. So just insist they have cereal for their breakfast. Cereal, a piece of toast, if they eat toast, grand, if they don't, fine. But they have to eat the cereal because between the cereal and the fortified milk, they're getting enough vitamin D for the day between both and I give them a supplement as well so if you are doing a factor 50 there are they are getting enough vitamin d but that they have to use a factor 50 because when skin is under the age of 18 the skin cells are not mature enough to handle intense bursts of uv light so they must have a sunscreen on their on their face every day between march and september and just getting them in that real habit of doing it and if you did nothing else that's the most important thing to do we're really bad as a nation aren't we like we're obsessed yeah. with the sun <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Um, the analogy I often use is, if I, and I, this is just something I do to myself because like everyone, I was obsessed with getting a tan and the first mm-hmm. ray of sun I used to be out there stripping um, to get it. Now I'm absolute, I've gone the extreme opposite. I'm like, no, but I wear my factor 50 all year round. I'm permanently yes. pale. Um, yeah. But I always think about a sausage. This is a crazy analogy. And I think about how we fry sausages and the heat. And I'm like, that's essentially mm-hmm. what we're doing to our skin when we go outside you see we think of weather and we think of sunshine or not sunshine and we think of like 18 degrees or 25 degrees but in fact um you can have 25 30 degrees in spain you can have 18 degrees here in ireland but the uv rates are the same in both countries so it may not be hot here so it's not the heat or the look of the sun that, that gives us skin cancer it's actually the uv levels so our UV levels in Ireland can be moderate to high and it can be cloudy and maybe not that warm. We can still damage our skin and it damages the DNA, that structure deep within the cell of the skin. And then that can never be repaired. And it takes, sometimes it takes about 40 years for skin cancers to grow, would you believe? But, you know, it's all that damage and it's cumulative. So your children getting a sunburn every year, mm-hmm. then maybe them going off themselves in holidays getting sunburned. Then, you know, traveling around the world or whatever they're going to do. All that is cumulative. So if you can minus down the UV clock while you still have control on them, that's going to mean that they're not going to get as much UV over the period of their lifetime. Remember the kids that are born in 2006, so Grace is born in 2006, and they're predicted to live until they're 100 years of age, but their skin has to do them for their life. Yeah. So it's so important that their, their skin is preserved as much as possible so that when they're in their mad late teens and their early 20s, that they're going to have a fighting chance and to keep that UV level down as much as they can. Yeah, and you know, you were saying there about the skin cancer rates in Ireland. Like, it is frightening. It's the it's the number one cancer in Ireland. It's something that mm-hmm. we I don't know are people aware of how many people are diagnosed with it every year. Yeah, eleven thousand people each single year, up with over a thousand cases of malignant melanoma, which is the most serious type of skin cancer. And the great news about which skin cancer is we know a cause it is all caused by overexposure to uv rays and that's whether you're using the sunbed or you're out in the sun itself and that's whether you're hanging out the wash in the line or you're on the sunbed or you're walking from your car to the supermarket or you're walking down to school to pick up the kids it's the same exposure so and um, it's so important to know that what causes it is is sun exposure and we can prevent it by actually using sunscreen hats sunglasses and stay in the shade between 11 and 2. Celine, it's that time of the episode and I hate doing this because I'm absolutely loving the chats about skin. It is That's so great. informative. I could do it all day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask you um, our final three questions. Um, what would you tell your pregnant self? 
definitely to relax a bit more. Relax, put your feet up, have a cup of tea, and don't ask people's opinion of yourself or your pregnancy or your new baby or anything else. I remember um, many years ago when I was a student nurse, there used to be a six week baby check in, in the hospital and they actually stopped doing it because all the mammies were outside comparing their babies to each other. And this very wise doctor was like, no baby's the same. None of us are the same. I'm not the same as my friend on the street. We don't look the same. We don't act the same. We don't have the same foods that we eat. So we're all different. And if you're pregnant and you're feeling anxiety, or if I look back on Celine that, that long time ago, I just think, relax, put up your feet. You deserve to put your feet up and just enjoy the experience for what it is. And what one product could you not live without? Oh, it has to be sunscreen. I knew so you were going to say that. <laughs> I know, I'm so boring and I'm so predictable. But again, if I could talk to the younger self, the, the, the student nurse, Celine, that was constantly out tanning, I loved know. tanning, but brown, I was brown constantly, and I loved it. Now I see my patients coming with skin cancer and I am frightened to think of the damage that I did. So um, I would certainly say sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. If you can do nothing else for your skin, put your sunscreen on. And what has been your magic moment? I would have to say my magic moment was um, I did everything in my um, my 20s. I got married in my 20s. I got divorced in my 20s. Um, I moved house in my I moved house twice in my 20s. And I remember when I was 30, so I was all done and dusted. I was like divorced. I was married, divorced. I had my two kids before I was 30. And I remember a magic moment of sitting in my own kitchen and having a cup of tea and both children were in school and just being so content with my life as it was and you know there was a lot of stuff that happened but being so content with my life exactly as it was and i think it was reaching that age of 30 you know and not being so anxious not being so afraid of everything and not being so scared of everything and it was a, it was a kind of a momentary moment the past it was the first time i think in my adult life I felt I was in control and that I could do it and it was going to be fine. And you know what? I'm 42 now and I've had so many more of those moments that have lasted longer than the moment since that. And if anyone's listening that feels that they are out of control sometimes or they don't know what's going to happen and they have fear and they have anxiety, I can tell you by the time you get to your 40s, you'll be in a right, better state of mind and you will feel those moments that last longer than moments of contentment and happiness and knowing that everything is happening exactly the way it should be. Thank you so much, Celine, for that sound advice and for all the advice on looking after our babies and our skin. Um, it's invaluable. And yes, wear we're, we're sunscreen. Wear sunscreen, that's it. Pamela, <laughs> thank you. I really enjoyed the chat so much. This week, I also had the pleasure of chatting with Joanna Gardner, the CEO of the Gardner Family Apothecary and mum of three. Welcome Joanna, how are you doing? Hi Pamela, thank you, very well. I'm delighted to be on For All Mumkind. Thank you. And the Gardner Family Apothecary are the very kind sponsors of the series of the podcast and thank you so much for your support. Uh, we are delighted to give support and I must say I love the realness of your podcast and the honesty and uh, I kind of wish I'd had something like that to listen to when I had uh, little children myself. They're, mine are a little bit more grown up now. Uh, so delighted to help out and sponsor the podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. And you are the CEO of the family, Gardner Family Apothecary, and you're the current custodian of the, f- 
the family business. And as a mum, have you found that, you know, from the product range to decision making, has being a mum influenced that? Well, certainly from the product range, uh, because the brand Elave is all about sensitive skin and eczema. And I first saw that when I brought my two eldest um, swimming as newborns. And um, I saw, you know, I began to see quite a lot of mums struggling with eczema. So I think having been a mum, I empathised with, oh my goodness, having to put a, an icing cake layer of cream onto your baby and then try and dress them and get them out of you know get, get them out of the dressing room and um, so I probably think that mirroring that uh, I went back to what was our family business my father at the time and uh, developed uh, helped me formulate the range so the premise of Elay was that it works but it's also easy to use and um, so traditionally you might remember Silcox Space brilliant brilliant product we make it Oval Silcox Space but, you know, at the same time, if you're rushing out the door and you have more than one child, not easy to get it all on, get uh, baby dressed and get out the door. So we tried to uh, create a range that was easy to use with washes, shampoos, um, shower gels, baby baths, all, all of that stuff. So ease of use and keeping the skin free from, um, from unnecessary chemicals was the key to that. So, yeah, I think that did influence me. Also, it coincided when my baby when my babies were babies and <laughs> was that this rise in eczema from three percent of the population to 25 percent which is very dramatic yeah and it was very linked to probably overwashing and uh, linked to uh, overuse of products with quite a lot of perfumes and soaps and that that has changed a lot i think most mums now do appreciate perfume and soap and coloring maybe aren't the best ingredients or they're just unnecessary i know they're nice to smell and everything but they're just unnecessary for a baby's delicate skin so that influenced me as an employer as you know leader in the business obviously i was a mum uh, i actually employ majority female we've an awful lot of flexibility in work and in fact i think that's only going to increase post-covid we're actually at the moment we're talking about that like we're all set up at home for about 15 people out of 80 in total um, and for men and women um, and while it traditionally it was it was and uh, mums would ask for maybe more flexibility or job sharing or um, parental leave I th I think now with the ability to work from home I think men are have at least one or two daddies who are going to collect the kids from school and then working from home for the rest of the day yeah so I want to do more of that and I, I want it to be an advantage uh, of working for us um, and I think as a parent myself I have a, a little bit of regret around uh, not having enough time like that to go and collect them from school and maybe you know a little I would have liked to have done a little bit more of than that but it just wasn't the thing and um, particularly if you moved up in an organization it was more difficult to have that flexibility and um, so you can't really work part-time and run a business you have to be there full-time so I think I did um I did sort of miss out a little bit on that so I'd like to I'd, I'd like I'd like to change that for some of the staff and already a lot of the mums and dads are loving working from home like they'd like I you know they'd like to come in maybe one day a week but yeah. they, they certainly seem to want to stay and then you also have the polar opposite where some people do not want to be at home at all you know so it's about flexibility and I think as a mum, that's something, yeah, that you can um, instill in the organisation. Completely, it enlightens the men 
the mental load as well you know if you mm. just know that you can you're not trying to orchestrate this kind of a, a calendar of who's collecting and dropping off you know yeah and we live we live in a small town like Dundalk is where uh, the business is based so most of our staff live in Iran so it's not like Dublin where they have to go an hour and a half to the school or something yeah. like that they can be it's all done very quickly um, so they can go and collect their and now that they're set up at home they can just go home and continue to work home and I, I, we've had children on Zoom calls or Google Meet calls, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, even my own little niece um, has been on a few calls. So, um, well, I'm, I'd be that way inclined anyway. You know, I think a good worker is a good worker is exactly. a good worker. Yeah. You know, give them a bit more flexibility. In fact, they become a happier worker. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I also have that feeling and belief around people working from home versus people not working from home again if you're a good honest worker in a building in your workplace you'll be a good honest worker at home exactly something you touched on there about the the actual product and the 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 pure simpleness of it it's it's funny because one of the very first things i bought what was an elav product baby bath for alice three years ago didn't realise it was Irish at the time, just saw it in my local chemist and saw the, simp- the the pureness of it and have been using it ever since. And as you were saying, like there's now there is such an understanding of what goes into our products and what is actually required and what is unnecessary and damaging to our skin. And the Garden Family Apothecary, it's in eighty it's over eighty years old. And you know, you've yeah. won some amazing awards recently for your products. Yeah, the Green Parent Awards last year and many multi awards like recommended. We've we've baby ranges, yeah, junior ranges, and then we have a new sensitive uh, renew range, which is for the face, which uh, is really like my own baby. It's like my middle name. I love this range and uh, have designed how each product would be, um, and it's it's a ten product range. So that. Um, that range is a big step up for us towards, um, I suppose, mummy and baby skincare. So mums, I've noticed 20 year olds or early 20s kind of like they change their mind. Um, they might have one product one week and try something else. Whereas I think when you the biggest change in someone's life as well, you know, is when, when you have the first baby, everything sort of changes. You become a bit more grown up about all your consumer purchases. Yeah. And I think that includes skincare and pregnancy can be difficult for the skin and there's a lot going on. And so settling the skin down after being pregnant. So all of our products, all the facial ranges are all of our live range are suitable for use during pregnancy. Uh, but particularly, I felt like your skin just needs more simpler, faster, non-reactive skincare. So we've like a, a hydrating part to that range, which is cream cleanser, moisture surge we have. A, a skin balancing part which is oil free so if the skin has a bit of breakout going on or at the moment a mask thing so the skin balancing cleanser and uh, moisturizer and then um we've we've a kind of mecca daily skincare product called daily skin defense which uh, is about sunblock really yeah. and i i used to always want to use sunblock but you would end up looking like a ghost and it was sticky and then you couldn't get your makeup on over it or you wouldn't look so great and um so this is oil free but it's um it's invisible zinc so initially it has a kind of white shield but it disappears into the skin um it's got vit- vitamins b c and e in it so it's it's um it's very good environmentally for free radicals and um 
yeah, it's just easy to use. Again, ease of use is a big thing. And I think it's a big thing for all mums yeah. um, and dads, you know, get it on, get out, keep going, keep an eye on the baby. So, um, yeah, so that range I'm very excited about. It's just it's just been launched in Dunn's Beauty. Uh, so that's I don't know if you've seen been in Dunn's yes. recently, but it's 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 outside of the till. It's not in the food yes. section. It's it's in the kind of lifestyle section. So it's a really cool, dedicated beauty area and it's got some lovely Irish brands in it. Um, Inglot Makeup and Sosumi and we're there and um, then we're also just launched in Tesco and it's 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 been stocked in Boots and a lot of very good um, independent pharmacies as well have taken it on so we're excited about that and it's easy to understand as a range it's it's you know it's got oil free it's got hydrating it's also got glycolic acid which is a fabulous anti-aging ingredient that naturally exfoliates the skin um, and but traditionally if, if it's in a base that isn't pretty simple you know so no perfume or stuff it can be stingy on the skin and um, so it's a sort of really good starting point for all skin care needs and redness of the skin can be an issue and you're tired as well I think if you're tired and you've been up half the night with the baby um, yeah it's, it's it's nice to have some nice hydrating skin care that plumps up the skin and makes it look good exactly and when, when it's your own time to go to bed if you, if you feel like you're you're about to embark on like a complicated regime you're less likely to do it but if you can follow yeah. a few simple steps that you yeah. can see results with you know you can I think for me you know because I use the eye rescue range and the day cream the um, the rebalance the balancing day cream and there's oh, such lovely yeah. products and like that but they're simple mm. and um they are yeah and you know the skin reacts well to it like skin balancing moisturizer I think it's the one you're using yeah. there and it's got a hyaluronic acid in it it's got some vitamins it's oil free but it's also got manuka honey so the skin is a little bit breakouty or a little bit irritated and um, that has a natural antibacterial or antimicrobial action um yeah so it's, it's a simple range and and very much based on sensitive skin care um, because i think people with reactive sensitive skin types have uh, has much right to age defying ingredients as um as as other women like 40 percent of women have experienced um quite significant reactions to you know very complicated uh, age-defying skincare products um, so I wanted to create some kind of re- range that was had a bit of bit of the actives you know the hyaluronic acid the glycolic acid I know they sound incredibly harsh but they're not <laughs> and um, then the SPFs and the vitamins and then just a real whole host of moisturizers that um, because moisturizing is is underrated as an anti-aging thing you know if you I hate that word anti-aging actually I'm trying not to say it but you know what I mean so just to, to try and plump up the skin yeah <laughs> um, and hydration is so good and the eye rescue serum and the moisture surge alone um, will make you look um, really well your skin look very uh, refreshed um, and it's nice to think as well that all of our ranges are manufactured in Ireland yes. and have been as you, you said uh, for over um 86 years I think this maybe yeah. 87 this year so we're kind of come back into fashion now being made in Ireland and people seem to like to see the origins of a brand and what's under the bonnet and we do everything in the one site everything is is manufactured in here in Dundalk and we've 80 people as I said and we've so we've literally manufacturing 
production, packaging, right through to sales, distribution, marketing, all in the one building. Um, and I think COVID, as uh, you know, COVID has has been a great eye opener that like everything, that whole supply chain and manufacturing in Ireland is important. So and, important. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm delighted that we're, we've just rebranded our packaging. If you do go to, you might see a mixture of packaging, but we have um, really uh, brought out our Irish Materia Medica, a kind of history in, in chemists and making creams and ointments and uh, products. You'll know like calamine cream for chicken pox, um, iodine tinctures for grazes. You know, we have a lot of very traditional family skincare. Um, and then the Elev range, as I mentioned, is probably, you know, it's, it's, it is really my baby and I founded it within the business. But I love the traditional products as well. I think they're fantastic. And I think every home needs a calamine cream for, you know, chicken pox exactly. or an itch yeah. or hives or all those kind of. And those iodine patches are brilliant for yeah. cuts and, yeah. and grazes to keep them moist, but they actually are. keep them clean as well. And I, I, I find children like the fact they're coloured, you know, it makes them feel, oh, look at my very, very sore knee. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, the little, there's a lovely little glass bottle with that and a little, a tiny, don't put too much, but a little dab on. And they love that. Um, and it does, it's an, it's an antiseptic, so it's, it's good in that sense. Um, so yeah, we're very proud. Like, it is a very long time. We're the first um, apothecary or manufacturing site in Ireland and uh, my grandfather he started it and he saw that chemists um, as they were known then were making creams and ointments in the back of the chemist yes. shop and yeah they were in the pestle and mortar and it all sounds very romantic but his his memory of it was they used to hate doing it <laughs> there was a lot of washing up afterwards apparently and um, so uh, they would bring he he would bring the prescriptions for the creams because there wasn't a cosmetic industry in, in the 30s and 40s. So Ireland was a very different place and in, in fairness quite an impoverished place and um, so there was no there was you got a prescription from the doctor um, for a cream and the pharmacist had to make literally make it up and put it into a jar so my grandfather saw this opportunity and started manufacturing the creams and ointments and then he would drive around Ireland delivering them obviously people's expectations on delivery were very low at the time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you probably put your prescription in week one and got them you know maybe two weeks later you got your cream you know so it was, it was a different world obviously um but we've been in Dundalk for all of those generations um another thing we have here is we have an awful lot of family working for us so obviously I've my own family, my brother Patrick works in the business, um, my mum and dad ran the business, uh, Sean and Rosemary, if any um, chemists are listening, uh, pharmacies are listening. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, but we also have um, taken on a lot of staff for brothers and sisters, husbands and wives. We're seeing some sons and daughters coming in now, which is very cool. And yeah, Dundalk, you know, had a, a kind of a tough enough few generations here on the border so to have a business that sustained all of that and all of the troubles that we had um is very important and uh, you know we're very grateful to those generations of staff and they're very loyal to the business very conscientious and yeah we're very lucky really and it's even the you know listening to the the the, gen the, the generational you know, from from what your grandfather did was driving it around to now, you know, you you mm. yourself evolving the products and the ability for someone like me to be able to go on 
tonight, order it and have it within like 28, 48 hours or even be able to pop down to your local supermarket. To me, it's, it's like what I love about it is the accessibility that now it's in like your local Duns and your Tesco's. So you're getting such a high quality product that you can just throw into your basket. And and, and if you're if you're in a standalone chemist, you, know, you can pick it up as well. Um, but isn't it, I think like if you, if you could have told your grandfather how in, you know, 2021, that what he was doing was still going to exist, the amount of employees, the, how accessible it was going to become. And even that, I, I'm hoping to see the hand sanitizer um, when I'm going in to get my vaccine. Like imagine, like that, if you were to go back in time and tell him that story, he'd probably go, Joanna, mm. that, that's no way this is going to happen. Um, and isn't it amazing that it, yeah. it's, it's, it's done by a female CEO and it's an Irish company. It's just, I love it. It's... Yeah, and actually a little anecdote is that of 27 grandchildren, I was the only one called after him. No way! Um, yeah, he's Joe and I'm Joe. So, um, yeah, it, I think he would not believe it for a second. I think he would be so staggered um, by the, the scale of the business and, as you say, the accessibility. And we've had huge support from pharmacies nationwide, but the pandemic has forced us to look outside of that because footfall yeah. is, is down and so yeah we're delighted to be working with Duns and the, and actually the sanitizer drew, drove that a bit because there was such a, a demand obviously mm -hmm. particularly the beginning a scarcity of sanitizers and one thing we haven't talked about is that we also supply aid agencies um, like um, UNICEF and uh, Médecins Sans Frontières uh, through the 70s 80s and 90s and that was very much my parents um, Sean and Rosemary they're it was their footprint on the business. Um, but as a result of that, because obviously this is for displaced children in remote places, um, possibly having a bit of wound management with something like, like iodine tincture, like maybe having a stitch in the field or, you know, the, the people in refugee camps. And um, we, we supplied antiseptics. They weren't called sanitizers then, but we, we, that's what we were supplying into. Um, and calamine creams for rashes and that, that sort of stuff um, and it, we, we, we literally went into the war chest of formulations and resurrected a sanitizer and it's been fantastic for us because it's sort of pushed us into new directions we supplied as you rightly say into the, all the vaccination centers and um, into the HSE the health service executive we've supplied um, volumes of hand sanitizers and hope to do that to continue to do that and uh, we also have built a bit of reputation that our sanitizer isn't as harsh as other ones I mean there's still 70% alcohol so it's not <laughs> it's not moisturizer but it does work and we put aloe vera and glycerin in into the formula as well and and then combine that with maybe some of our um, moisturizing creams for hands we're launching a hand hygiene range in August it's going into boots first and yeah we're, like we're excited it's, the pandemic has has been very good to us um, and we've had huge support from our staff although at the start it was scary for everyone we really didn't know what we were doing yeah with, but they've rallied and I think they're very delighted to have a business and um, to be working for a business that's doing well uh, through the pandemic because there's so many people suffering very badly and um, obviously hospitality is just majorly affected but um yeah, we're, I feel I feel very blessed, um, really, with the staff, with uh, where we're at. We've had a COVID bounce. We've been one of the luckier companies, um, and we're very grateful for it. 
Joanna, it was so great talking to you and getting to hear about, you know, your influence and obviously the generational influence um, across the world that the Gardner family of Otterkerry has given to healthcare now. Um, and yeah, I'm getting my vaccine in a few days, so I'm hoping I get to, <laughs> it'll be great to see it in the field itself, um, up in a vaccination uh, centre. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Look at it. And thank you very much. And I hope you and Ben and Alice and Peter have a wonderful summer. Thank you so much. And we may see you, okay. see you down in Kerry soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Bye. Joanna. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mankind. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you would like to send me a message, please email forallmankind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. And see you in the next episode of the podcast. Gardner Family Apothecary are the official sponsors of For All Mankind podcast. Caring for your sensitive skin with their Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel Silcox Base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of their news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro.